my life. Sacrifice, hustle pay the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life I've been grinding all my life. Look, all my life been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle pay the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life I've been grinding all my life. Look. What up, what up, what up, what up? Welcome to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. This is your boy Dexter, your host, the one and only. Welcome back to another show. Hey, game three, I know it, man. It's been, it's been pretty lit as far as the game three. It wasn't really like a blowout in a sense. I mean, it was very competitive. The crowd was engaged, and especially all the Celtic supporters. Either you're a fan of the Boston or you're rooting against the Warriors, so you're supporting the Boston Celtics. Yeah, man, y'all was kind of livid today, man, because y'all was enjoying the game, talking trash. I heard some of y'all talking trash, but hey, man, series is not over. Because you're up one game, like I don't get it. It's like the first team to four. It's not the first team to one or first team to two. I mean, every time the Celtics win, the fans go on parade on Twitter, on social media, pretty much everywhere, in the streets, honking horns. Like, they just want something. Pump it back a little bit, man. Just relax. Enjoy the final. I know you guys want to sit there and talk trash, and I get it, man. It's part of the game, but you guys are celebrating like y'all really want something. You're all supposed to win game three. Game three was a must win for Boston, not for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, if the Warriors won it, then damn, Avalanche is coming. But for you guys, you had to secure game three because you cannot go down losing two games at home because the Warriors are capable of winning both games. But we'll go ahead and talk about game three in a second. Man, it's good to have you guys back on the show, man. I hope you enjoyed the last episode about game two. And also have about the episode on game one as well. You have all the links in the bottom. Your boy's back, man. But if you're new to the channel, hey, man, we appreciate your support. We, should, we appreciate you actually tuning in. If you go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit that bell notification if you can. Thumbs up if you can. Every time you actually hit the thumbs up, it helps this channel out a lot. I've been saying that to all the new viewers that have been tuning in. Chime in as well. It helps us out. Push the content to the top. And as far as social media, we're pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever you want to call it. We're on there. And if you want to listen to the audio rug because you can't catch the video, we're on every streaming platform out there. Apple Podcast, you know, uh, Bean Podcast, iHeartRadio, etc. Spotify, we're on there. The links will be in the bottom. So let's get into it. Game three was a hell of a game. Obviously, I'm going for the Golden State Warriors. So, for us, you know, I give a lot of credit to Boston. You're supposed to win game three. So, you have to pretty much make sure you secure game three. By all means, everything. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to lose game three. And if you did, and like I said, it would be a different type of story. But tip your hat off to them, man. Like, the Celtics, they flipped the script. After what we just saw happen in game two, right? All I've been hearing in the last 48 hours was about all oh, the Warriors that are playing dirty, Draymond bullying players, this and that. And don't, don't get me wrong. We came out with physicality as far as the Golden State Warriors, right? You know, we rough some guys up, knock some guys down, whatever it may be, right? But you're not supposed to win. Easy, right? Like, I don't get what, what is going on nowadays. Like, Somebody gets pushed down a little bit, get roughed up a little bit, and everybody's over here complaining to the refs. Do the same thing. And that's what happened in game three. The Boston Celtics came out with physicality and force. Basically, what Draymond pushed to the pedal on two, on game two, the Boston Celtics did the same thing in game three. 
You're supposed to win with physicality. There's nothing easy in the NBA, especially in the NBA Finals. You have to work for your buckets. If that means Draymond Green and whoever else has to play physical with you guys, you guys have some forces on your team. You have Robert Williams. You have Grant Williams. You have Marcus Smart. Like, these guys didn't come in the league being a nice guy. Grant Williams, who played at Tennessee University, was a physical guy. Marcus Smart, who came out of Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, was a physical guy. Robert Williams, physical guy. And I can go on, but you kind of get my drift now, right? So the Boston Celtics are two games. They're two games shy from going to the NBA Finals to hang up the 18th banner. They're two games away. So we'll see what happens in game four. Can the Warriors bounce back? I'm pretty sure they can. Because after watching game three, I'm not even mad about going to state. I'm not. I give a lot of credit to Boston Celtics. They did their damn job. They're supposed to do their damn job and secure game three. But the Golden State Warriors was right there. They was right there. There was one run away, one run away from actually closing the game out themselves. But then fourth quarter came around. I'll speak that to you guys in a second, man. But like I said, the way Boston played today in game three, like they played at their Boston pace, the pace that we know and we're accustomed to see them playing at. These guys... They put the ball on the ground. They're going in, and they're kicking out. They're going in, and they're kicking out. And if they miss, they're getting second-chance points. They're getting their offense rebounds, which was the basically the Achilles to the Warriors in game three. They, it hurt them. They couldn't, they couldn't get offensive rebounds. That's right. They couldn't get defensive rebounds over the, over the Celtics, which they got crushed. They couldn't get really second-chance points with 50-50 balls, but they got crushed. And like I said, man, second-chance points was, was the key to the game. In the points in the paint. And I'll go ahead and explain it to you guys in a second. But the Celtics, give me credit. Marcus Martin, you know, responded. He had two points in game two. He drops 24 points. Jenner Brown drops 27 points. Jason Tatum drops 26 points. So these guys, who is your core, are scoring. And obviously, you get 10 points from Grant Williams. You get 10 rebounds from Robert Williams, who gives you eight points. You get you get seven points from Derek White. You get, I think, 11 points or eight points from Al Horford. So all around... Like, their core guys, the seven, eight guys they have, they came out. Obviously, Derek White could have scored more, whatever, right? But as far as, like, the top three names that breadwinners on that team, Smart, Brown, and Tatum, all came and chipped in and had their fingerprint all over the game. So, yeah, man, Celtics, tip off, I tip my hat off to you. Jason Tatum, like, obviously, we heard the, we heard all the, the pressure from the media. We heard the pressure from people in the basketball world saying that Tatum has to show up. He has to be that guy. Fourth quarter, he came around. You know what he was doing? Oh, yeah. Switched Curry on me. And I'm going to go ahead and go to work on Steph Curry. And which Steph Curry already had like four fouls at that point. But the thing about, like, what about Steph Curry? When he was on an island with Jason Tatum, I mean, he took the challenge. He didn't shy away. Obviously, there's plays where he was like, hey, switch off him and get Wiggins back on here, whoever it may be, out of Porter was trying to avoid the one-on-one matchup with Tatum. But at least there are some plays in the fourth quarter he challenged it, and Tatum actually had to kick out because the double team, he went to the basket, kicked it out, you know, and the story is from there. I mean, those guys hit the corner threes, right? But, yeah, so Celtics killed the Warriors in the paint, 52 points in the paint. My God. Like, they came out <laughs> they came out with the atomic bomb. Yeah, so 52 points. Uh, in the paint for the going to stay, I mean, for the Boston Celtics, second chance points. This is what I've been talking about all season long. If you can win 50-50 balls, if you can win offensive rebound boards that can convert into second chance points, it's very hard for you to lose a game. 
The only way that happens if you have no defense, literally no defense, right? So you're going you're going toe to toe with points, but they kill the Warriors in that aspect. They didn't give them a chance. They didn't, they didn't allow them to you know breathe some oxygen. You know, give them a, a slither of hope, whatever you want to call it. They say, hey, we're coming out here. We're going to do some man business around here because the two big guys, Al Horford and, and and Robert Williams, pretty much killed the Warriors in rebound alone. Like, forget about Grant Williams. I get he can get rebounds. I think he had five or so total. But those two guys, Robert and Al, they were just like, yeah, man, we're going to stick it to you if you play small ball. So when Looney played in the game, obviously he hopped out a little bit for the Warriors. When he sat down, they went to the small ball with Draymond Green the five. This is where they pretty much said we're going to go to town with you guys. But, yeah, so Celtics, uh, they scored 22 points um, to the 11 points as far as second-chance points. So second-chance points, Boston had 22 11 to the Golden State Warriors. Celtics had 15, 15 offensive rebounds. So imagine if you had 15 offensive rebounds and you convert half of that, right? Let's say six or seven, whatever it may be, right? Seven or eight, whatever it may be, right? Those guys, that's pretty much like what? 16 points, 18 points, right? Around there that goes to second chance points. So if you had 22, most of it came off of offensive rebounds. And some of them were 50-50 balls. So that just tells you right there. That solidifies everything. That just tells you right there. Like, you don't even have to watch the script or watch the game script. It's over. You cannot win. Warriors cannot win the game like that. I don't get it. You dominate for two games as far as rebounding. You're killing the painting game, too. And then you come to Boston, and you're like in a complete no-show. And a lot has to do with Steph Curry being in foul trouble and Draymond acting a fool after what had just happened in game two. Like, you was a star of game two. You was out there. Everybody, the talk of game two was not Steph Curry. The talk of game two was not anybody in the Warriors besides Draymond Green. And what does he do? Well, he does the best. He goes onto media, and he talks about physicality. And he goes on this podcast and talking about like, all these old heads who don't know how it is nowadays, back in the 80s, whatever it is. Like, he goes on a rant. He, he's talking a lot. And I get that's who Dre is, right? But people are going to hold you to that. When he comes to Boston, and Boston is known for sports, and Boston is a big basketball town, right? Like, they're going to come out here. The fans are going to know what you said. And obviously, they gave it to him. Every time he touched the ball, they heard a crowd going. Every time he got in foul trouble or he was getting fouls or he was getting, you know, shitted on in the, in, in the sense, the fans are going at him. Like, Dre, you have to produce more than two points, bro. You can't have more fouls than points. You cannot come out here with your antics to hurt your team. And obviously, he knows that. Going into game four, he's going to look at the game team like, yeah, I messed up a lot. When you have opportunities to score, why are you over here giving shovel passes when you have a lane to create more of a chaos? If you cut down to the basket, you can dish it out. But going for it, man. Anyways, so you can't win like that. Celtics also killed the dubs in physicality, mentally, physical, outsmarted them. I mean, for the first time, I can actually say, wow, man, like game one was different. But game three, man, they just pretty much were on all cylinders. They were hitting on all cylinders. Offensively, defensively, mentally, game script. Every time the Warriors went on the run, they called a timeout, slow them down, you know, and, and, and re regroup. So Boston, I'll give it around. For the whole entire, the whole entire game, the whole totality of the game, they pretty much just outbeat Steve Kerr. So, anyways, if, if the Warriors want to win game four, they have to keep their composure. They have to ha utilize more guys off the bench. Steve Curtis's message to you. You have to use other guys. Jordan Poole, 
I don't know what's going on with Jordan Poole. Like, he shows up here and there in the playoffs, man. It's like, what's going on? Like, Clay Thompson finally showed up after there was APP alert on him for two games. But you can't win just with Steph Curry by himself. He need Clay Thompson, like I been said in game two, he needs to show up, and he did. He gives you 24 points. Wiggs gives you 18, 16 points. But outside of that, Drake can't give you two points, and you expect to win. Jordan Poole gives you, like, nine points, ten points, and you expect to win. Like, outside of that, you have nobody else. Auto Porter give you eight points or six points, whatever it may be. You have to literally use your – like, I would use, you know, the rookie, Kamanga. Like, I would use – you know, Moses. Now I would use other guys uh, in the rotation because they're athletic and they're they're, they're younger and then they can be play, they can play physical. You get my drift, right? So the Celtics, man, when they just like I said, they just put the head down, went to the basket, and they're just killing, right? So the Celtics in this postseason alone are seven and zero after a loss. And I just said that in game two. When the Warriors lose, they win the next game. I think they're like five and zero after a loss. So would they would, would they keep up with this whole statistics? Can the Warriors win game four? Because every time they lost in the playoffs or in the final, they had came back and won. So if you kind of get the drift of where it's going, the Warriors might win game four, right? So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Celtics never – Celtics in their history – I mean, their history is pretty long. Their history in the NBA Finals have never lost a series in the NBA Finals up to one. But this is a different kind of team. The Boston Celtics – like, I get it back in the days, but that's like back in the days. That's like 40 years ago. I know this is kind of a relevant stat, but I just want you guys to hear that and know that, right? So even though the Warriors sparked a life in the third quarter, they didn't They didn't sustain it going to the fourth. They, they caught up to, I think, seven points in the third quarter. Then, you know, Emma calls a timeout. The coach of the Boston Celtics, right, calls a timeout, slows down the bleeding. Going to the fourth quarter, you score 11 points. You're five for 15 from the field. You're in foul trouble early in the quarter. You're getting out-muscled. Yeah, like you can't win. The Warriors are so great at third quarters. And fourth quarter, it's like hit or miss. It's like ice. It's like hot and cold. But obviously, I knew coming into game three, the Warriors had a slim chance of winning game three. Even though they had, they had a chance going into fourth quarter, we don't know what happened from there, but I projected them to lose game three. It's because I'm like, hey, Boston needs this game more than the Warriors need it. Even though they're up 2-1, they needed this game or it's over. I don't care who's in the fans. I know I saw Jemaine at the fans. <laughs> she came up for her boy, Brown. I, I'm not here to start rumors, but going forward, right? So the Warriors, Steph Curry got in foul trouble. That makes When Steph Curry gets in foul trouble, it makes the team like really you know tentative like to do anything because they're afraid to do anything because Steph Curry is outside and, or sitting on the bench. And then... You have calls going against you. Obviously, those calls are legitimate calls. So I don't want to hear Boston complaining about, oh, my God, we're not getting foul calls. You see what just happened with the Warriors. I give you that. Some of those calls, like I said, in game two are, you know, bonehead calls by the ref. But Scott Foster, my God, you're 12-0 when you when he coached the Celtics in the playoff. You're 12-0. Like you pretty much – he has a winning record coaching the Celtics. I mean, sorry, refing the Celtics game, which is crazy. And that's a fact. He's actually now 13-0. Whatever, conspiracy, conspiracy, right? Celtics held the Warriors 11 points in the fourth quarter. It was to their own doing. You know, Like I said, ill-advised fouls by Steph Curry and Draymond Green. You know, yada, yada, yada. You know, obviously, they hurt themselves in the foot. You know, once, you, once Steph Curry gets two fouls in the first quarter, you pretty much put your team on the heels because – 
you have to rely on Clay. You need to rely on Jordan Poole, which they're they're pretty good players, you know. But then like Steph is like the ultimate separator. Like he he strikes fear in the Celtics more than any other player on that team. And Clay comes close, but not close to Steph Curry. So when Steph Curry goes out, it's a whole different game plan. But hopefully Steph Curry doesn't do his dumb, boneheaded plays. Don't reach in to uh, Marcus Smart shooting the three-pointer from behind. Stop. Like, we all know, like, how great Steph is. When you go out the game, the game is different. You need to stay in the game. So I'm pretty sure game four, he's going to be okay with that. Um, like I said, Draymond gave us nothing. Two points, four rebounds, a whole lot of fouls. He fouled out. Was talking smack. Didn't get a tech. Whatever, right? Um, Steph Curry and Clay combined for 56 points, 11 threes. Jeez. Half of your damn team points or more than half of your team damn points came from those two guys alone. That just tells you. You can't win like that. The Warriors scored 100 points. 100 points. And 56 of them came from the Splash Brothers. And then the Step Brother, Jordan Poole, can't give you nothing, right? So... 56 points, from, you know, amongst those two guys. You know, they had 11 threes. I think Wiggs played pretty good in game three. Um, I like how Wiggs is playing. He's, he, like, he's playing defense, and they they know that. Boston knows that. So they're trying to get Wiggs's, Wiggins off of Tatum. So you're going to see a lot of Wiggins probably going through a lot of screens in game four, like he did in game two when he played physical. I'm not sure why he disappeared in game three with the physicality. But game four, I expect him to be, be the guy he was in game two. And Steve Kerr, and Steve Kerr, and I'm going to harp this all the time. Steve Kerr, you have to use your bench. You have to. There is no ifs. There is no buts about it. When you cannot get nothing out of Draymond, you have to literally bring in somebody else, like a Belizia, like an outer porter. And I know Draymond means a lot to this team defensively. He's not the guy. Like, I don't expect Draymond to give me 30 points or 20 points. But you can't give me two either. You got you to gotta meet me somewhere in the middle, right? And the Warriors expect the same thing. As much as you do on defense, you have to get the easy buckets. And that in game two, you, did, you, you completely played different in game three. So we'll see what happens in game four. I project the Warriors winning game four because if it goes 3-1, to Frisco, it's going to be very hard for the Warriors to climb back from a 3-1 deficit, period. Even though they're going to have two home games, game five and then game seven. But I believe the Warriors can win game four. Then we're back at 2-2, right? So then now it's the best first team out of three. Whoever wins, whoever wins best out of three. And the Warriors got two home courts out of it. So I expect, I expect that to happen. I expect the Warriors to come out game four. Like I said, they played, to me, they played okay in game three. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my God, like, okay, everybody's having issues. I just think that we lost, the Warriors lost because of second-chance points. They got bullied in the paint, 52 points in the paint. You cannot allow that. At the same time, you cannot allow second-chance points. Like, you can't lose other parts of the game. They lost three-fourths of the game because of that. You lost with rebounding. You lost with points in the paint and second-chance points, and you expect the Warriors to win. No. 
And I'm glad it was only it was only like they're up like what seven points at some point in the third quarter, despite all that. And even though they missed shots in the fourth quarter, it's 100 points to 116. I live with that because it could have been worse. Boston couldn't drop 100. Boston was capable of dropping 130. If you look at it, Tatum missed a lot of shots himself. And Tatum, like I said, was he was literally hunting for Steph Curry in the fourth quarter. So obviously, Steve Kerr is going to have to game plan everything completely different. Whatever happened in game two, you're going to have to either mimic it or you're going to have to use some of it in game four because you're not going to have the crowd behind you. You're going to have a lot of boos and a lot of people yelling. And I know this team has a lot of composure and this team has a lot of gut. And this team has, they've been there. They've been there before. So they know what it takes to win, yada, yada, yada. So we'll see what happens. Hey, man, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed game three. I'll catch you on game four. Friday's game four at 6 o'clock if you're in the West Coast. If you're in the Midwest, it's 8 o'clock. And if you're definitely on the East, it's 9 o'clock. I'll come back and drop game four. Like I said, hey, man, if you've been kicking with me until this point, go ahead and drop a like, man. Hit a comment, something. Subscribe. Give me something, right? You've been here the whole entire time for about 20 minutes. I appreciate the love. Y'all be safe out there. I'll see you next time, man. Game four. Peace.